Good morning. The scripture reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. It's on page 6 of your bulletin. The Lord God's Spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a place, a crown in place of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify himself. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. Foreigners will stay and shepherd your sheep, and strangers will be your farmers and vine dressers. You will be called the priests of the Lord, ministers of our God, they will say about you. You will feed on the wealth of nations and fatten yourself on their riches. Instead of shame, their portion will be double. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice over their share. They will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and dishonesty. I will faithfully give them their wage and make with them an enduring covenant. Their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are a people blessed by the Lord. I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God, because he has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped me in a robe of righteousness like a bridegroom in a priestly crown, and like a bride adorned in jewelry. As the earth puts out its growth, and as a garden grows its seeds, so the Lord God will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Claire. So this morning, as I was thinking about our sermon, one thing or about worship struck me this morning, and yes, occasionally a thought does strike me. Uh, but one thing that uh, struck me this morning was is the Chiefs played last night. Which means I get to take as long as I want. <laughs> Within my normal confine and constraints, right? As I mentioned at the outset, today is the third Sunday of Advent. We have been uh, preparing and waiting for the birth of God's Savior, and in so we have been doing through through some traditional positive aspects about the season, the ways in which we reflect upon God's hope, peace, joy, and love that is for each one of us. We started Advent learning how the thrill of hope should be something that comes forth in us and should be a part of our natural conversation with people in the world around us, that we as God's people live in this hope, and should be proclaimers of God's hope. Last week we talked about the dualism of peace, with the understanding that for us to be peacemakers in the world, first we must experience peace within, peace with ourselves, peace with God. And then from there we can be the peacemakers that God desires for us to be. This week we're going to search for the meaning and the practice of joy in our lives. I mentioned last week that that personally I need to make more time and space for 
quiet contemplation and prayer. I, I mentioned to all of you that there's just too much noise in my life, and some of you may be like that as well. And, and I was thinking about that. That thought kind of carried over into this week's sermon as well, because I think the noise has a, a lot of different effects on us, and one of those is discontent. That the noise that creeps into our life leaves us feeling discontent. Discontent with life and can lead us feeling even discontent with the way the world is going. I'm convinced that maybe one of the number one emotions that the majority of us feel in our society today is discontent. Then that plays out in so many different ways. It certainly means that for some of us, maybe many of us, We're not living into the opportunity that God has for us, the the fullness that God wants to grant to us, to give to us, the joy that God wants us to live into. And we know that there's many different uh, uh, classical writers across the eras who have, have described this kind of human ethos of what we live into, this social spirit that we inhabit. You can think back to Shakespeare, who in Richard III wrote a line that we all know, now is the winter of our discontent. Right? May glorious summer by this son of York. Right? John Steinbeck. We all know that John Steinbeck is well known for one of his great novels, The Grapes of Wrath. But in 1961, Steinbeck published his final novel. Any of you know what the title of it was? The Winter of Our Discontent. He picked up on that line from Richard III. He wrote a social critique of the moral decline of America in the 1950s. Right? You think about the era that we all want to epitomize now today, the 1950s, and Steinbeck writes a critique about the social decline, the moral decline that was already happening in our great nation. I would propose to you, though, that maybe one of the the best authors to capture this kind of ethos for us, this hurting and longing that we have in the world, is, is Charles Dickens. His opening lines of A Tale of Two Cities, right? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going directly to heaven. We were all going directly the other way. Think about how these great authors have in in many ways defined for us kind of this ethos of life, this dichotomy of good and often bad, and how in many ways this creates for us a discontent. I have a social assumption. I'm going to guess that many of you share maybe my social assumption. I, I assume that life is supposed to go a certain way, and I look for it to go a certain way. But I'm finding that day after day, life isn't going the way I think it should go. It doesn't necessarily follow my program and my vision, right? And so I'm finding out that often my assumptions about life are false. I have some false expectations about things. That life isn't turning out maybe the way that many of us think it should or think it's supposed to for us. And thus, you think about the growing, the prevailing kind of sentiment of discontent that we have personally and even corporately. 
I wonder how many of us, we have let this kind of sneak into our hearts. Our, our hearts have become a, a seedbed for discontent. It's fertile ground, it's fertile soil, and we just let it grow within us, this discontent. It would be natural. In the world that is around us, it would be natural. In our Sunday school class this morning, we talked about an article that was written by a Mennonite, and the article was, Why Good People Do Bad Things, Right? Part of it, I would say, is because we let discontent get into our lives. And we sow this socially, right? We are told that it's okay to be discontent with your job. You can be discontent with your spouse. You can be discontent with your children. You certainly could be discontent with your street address and your zip code. You might be discontent with your retirement account. Any of you? Right? You might be discontent with the thinning hair, with the belly bulge. You might be discontent with your bad eyes, your bad teeth. You certainly should be discontent with your wardrobe, your car, your cologne, your underwear, your socks, and on and on and on. Amen? Right? We're told this. In our society, we over-commercialize so many things that we have normalized being discontent with the things around us and with our lives. I'll give you an example. I saw an interview online this week. It was an interview from an investment show, and the host interviewed a strategist. And this investment strategist wrote an article, and the title of the article was, This is the Age of Discontent, and You Need to Invest Accordingly. Right? That was the title of this guy's article. Now, what's funny or ironic was this, that the strategist, the author of this article being interviewed, was from Wells Fargo. There's your dose of irony for the day, right? But to think about what it means, even in this discontent state that we find ourselves, how we address it. You think about for the last couple of weeks also, the moments that we've taken to just consider the circumstances of the people of Israel. The Israelites in the time of Isaiah and the scroll writers for Isaiah. Talk about a people who certainly could have been discontent with everything that had happened to them And what they were experiencing in their lives, right? To remind you of their physical circumstances. That could have been enough alone to make them completely discontent. Their lands, Judah and Israel, had completely been overrun by invading armies. Everything taken from them. Jerusalem, their holy city, God's holy city, was raised and left for ruins in rubble, right? And the elite members of their societies, their leading class of people all deported into exile, leaving the poor peasantry to try to figure out how to eke out a meager existence. All of this, their physical circumstances, certainly could have left them discontent as a community and discontent with God. Then you add on the spiritual elements as well, right? Solomon's beautiful temple, the place where God met them and they met God. Everything about it had been stripped away, all of its treasures, its beauty, burnt to the ground by these invading armies. The line of their priest had been broken, and the presence of God, they believe, was interrupted for them. You add that on, and you can see how they could have been a discontent people. And then emotionally, you think about the things that the people experienced themselves, and how that could have led them to this season of discontent. They certainly could have concluded that God was no longer with them, that Yahweh had abandoned them, because if God was truly with them, they wouldn't be in the circumstances they were in. 
Think about how discontent they could have been. Because discontent comes simply because the world will not bend to our vision, our will. The world doesn't play according to our assumed rules of fairness, right? You know what those rules are. Bad things should only happen to bad people, right? Good things should only happen to those of us that are the good people, right? Have any of you ever heard the scripture that says rain falls on the just and the unjust alike? That the world is not formed and shaped according to our vision of fairness. The world doesn't care about our sense of fairness. And that's exactly why God is with us. Because we need God to be with us. To share with us the great news of good joy. That discontent in the world is not what we have to inhabit and live in. Because what mattered to the ancient Israelites was this. That God was still with them. That God's Spirit was anointing messengers to come and pronounce goodness for them. To deliver good news that brought sense and order and joy to them. To let them know that this good news was for those who were were the poor to dress the wounds of those who were the brokenhearted, to proclaim that freedom was around the corner for the captives and darkness would not win, the prisoners would come forth into light, to announce that the year of the Lord's favor had begun and was upon them. Because if God were absent, or God didn't care somehow, then certainly God's Spirit would not have been present or active. God would not have anointed a messenger. And yet, God did. God anoints a messenger who brought the people good news of great joy. It was intended to grant the people contentment with life, the joy that God promised for them. I wonder how you deal with discontent in your life. What it is that you're trying to do to cultivate joy in your life. I wonder how many of us practice things like retail therapy as a way to try to figure out if we can get a little joy in our lives. Or exercise as that method to get a little joy in our lives, deal with our discontent. Maybe you're like me, you would rather just go hide and sleep to get discontent to go away. Some of us might drink more wine, right? Have you ever considered what it might take to simply be anointed by God for joy and contentment? See, I don't believe that God wants any of us to spend our lives feeling discontent. I believe God wants us to live life in great joy, to be anointed for joy. Many of us are aware, I'm sure, of the preaching and the teaching of a guy by the name of Michael Slaughter. He used to be the senior pastor at Ginghamsburg United Methodist Church in Ohio. Uh, uh, Several years ago, he wrote a book titled, Christmas is Not Your Birthday. You might have heard that title before, right? Kind of reminding us of some things about the Christmas season. Because in many ways, we practice some things that bring us discontent at Christmas, if you think about it, right? He reminds us of how we can approach Christmas differently each year. To think about it not being a season of stress, strain, and discontent. That it should be a season that's anointed with joy. And that this could come through certain ways in which we inhabit the season. Practices that we try to put into place. I'm going to mention a couple of them for you this morning. I would, I would say that maybe what we need to do is begin simplifying the Christmas season. That for 
reason, maybe one of the reasons we find discontent at this time of the year is because we've overcomplicated the season, right? Unrealistic hopes and expectations. We hope that our family will gather together and play nice with one another. You ever heard Albert Einstein's uh, definition of insanity before, right? Keep doing the same thing over and over and over, hoping for different results, right? Maybe we overcomplicate the season too much. We overindulge in gift giving. How many of us give things away to people who have absolutely no need for anything else in their lives, right? And yet we continue to give away and we continue to overindulge. We overschedule. We try to cram way too many things into this short little season. What if we simply said no more and we tried to simplify to allow God to have space to anoint us for joy this year? And second, what if we added more time and space for God to be part of this season? To celebrate Christmas because God is simply with us. And to be reminded that God chose to become one of us, to dwell with us, so that we might remember that we aren't alone in this season. God is part of this season. And so we inhabit a presence with God. And in that we expect that God's going to deliver us from the web of hate and sin into salvation and into joy that life struggles don't have to win, that it's not about surviving, it's about the opportunity to thrive in joy that God has in mind for us if we would make room for the divine or make time for more of your relationships. I think about the relationships that are important to each one of us and how sometimes during this season those relationships can get lost to other things. And if we begin to simplify how we can invest more time in our family and in our friends and how we can build those relationships that are important to us or maybe establish a new relationship. You think about neighbors that you might not know all that well and how this season's an opportunity to share with them joy as well as those that are acquaintances. You know, the ones that you see in Starbucks every time that you're in there. You know them by name, but you don't know them, right? To take an opportunity to establish a new relationship. One of the other ones I thought of this season, though, is, is renewing some old relationships as well. You think about friends that you have simply just lost contact with. Old co-workers. Old neighbors that you might be able to reach out to and express some joy this season to them. Because what else could be better this time of year? What else could be better than experiencing the anointing of God's joy in your life to bring joy to the world around you? I wonder how many of us have neighbors and friends. When you see them this time of the year, they radiate joy. Any of you? What if you were that neighbor? That every time someone came in contact with you, you radiated joy. The ways in which we could simplify this season in order to express that to a dark and discontent world. So what are you going to do this year? What are you going to experience this Christmas season? I hope that none of us want to experience discontent. I am expecting that every single one of us, we're, we're not going to wake up on Christmas morning and say, Today, I want to experience discontent. Any of you going to do that Christmas morning? No, right? Because we want to experience God's anointing of joy. We want to ensure this year that Christmas becomes a season that has, among many things, great joy. 
So here's what I, I want you to take away from today that you can talk about amongst your family, your friends, some conversation points. But, but do you re- for each of us to be reminded that we live in a world that's full of a lot of things and a lot of things that we can be discontent about, and we could certainly allow that to consume us, that we could become discontent about most everything in our lives, right? The ancient Israelites, they certainly lived in circumstances that could have robbed them of all joy, and they certainly could have been completely and utterly discontent even with God. But God reminded them through the prophets and the writers that God was still with them. They were not alone. And that brought a message of joy to them that they could live in. And I think the same is true for each and every one of us. We could let life take charge. We could let life drive us to discontent. But God invites us to something different today. To simplify in ways that empower us to experience God in our lives. To know that God is with us today and that we can be anointed with God's joy. That we can bring joy to this world. So here's your invitation for today. A a couple of things to consider. Number one, what could you scale back or cut out altogether this Christmas? Especially what is it about this Christmas that is going to bring you discontent? Right? How could you let go of that this year? How could you let go of the too tight a schedule, the overspending, the false expectations? I would encourage you to let them go right now so that you can have greater space, greater space for God to be present with you and greater space for God to anoint you with joy so that you might be joy in the world. Or to think of it this way, is there a relationship that you need to repair or renew or start afresh? How many of us have argued with somebody, but now we can't remember why we argued with them? We just know we did somewhere. Could there be a path to renewal? How many of us have simply lost contact with someone that was important to us? And how do we renew that relationship? Is there someone that we can start a new relationship with that we will be be able to express God's joy through? So this season, I pray that God anoint you. Anoint you today with the good news of great joy that is for all people, that it might be present in your hearts, in your lives, and it might be present in the world that you are a part of. So would you pray with me? Here is my prayer for you this Christmas season. Gracious and loving God, we pray that the Spirit, your Spirit, be upon each one of us, anointing us to be bearers of the good news of great joy, that in all of life's hurts and pain, sorrow, sadness, distress and discontent, God, we ask that you continue to be with us and never leave us. We ask that you give us a message of good news that we might share with those who are wounded, those who are the captives and in darkness, to let them know that you are pouring out your rich favor upon all people. May we experience the anointing that you have in mind for us this Christmas so that we might live in your joy And so that we might share with the world your message of great joy. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite our ushers to come at this time for our morning offering, our regular offering.